Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We're here at Resurrection Celebration Month. I'm excited about this because um, this weekend, uh, hopefully uh, several of you were able to participate with us. We had a church-wide fast uh, and praying specifically that the gospel would impact our community uh, in a a great way and then also praying for revival uh, because I I believe we need revival in our church. Um, And it starts with each one of us individually. We've got to make sure that every single one of us um, are in tune with the Lord, uh, that we've got sin cleaned out of our lives, that we're seeking His will above our will and uh, doing His will. And so uh, we spent a lot of time praying, praying for the church, praying for our community. And again, I hope that you joined us with, uh, joined in with us on that uh, special time. Uh, as we saw this morning, that, that video, uh, the resurrection is a big deal. It's a real big deal. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second, but. And before we get into that, I, I want to recap. If you were here last week, you, you, you saw this. Uh, but if you weren't here, this is kind of what we looked at. We looked at these issues, uh, the Pharisaic problems that uh, existed there in Jesus' own face. I mean, they were, uh, it, was, it was blatant. And he approaches them or addresses them with several different problems. And again, we, we drew those out last week. just want to recap that. Number one was exter- uh, external righteous show. In other words, they were all about showing people they were righteous on the outside, uh, but inside they were completely unrighteous. And uh, the second thing that we saw that he pointed out was greed. Uh, they were tithing mint. They weren't, they weren't really giving of themselves. They were all about themselves. And then third thing was disregard for justice and righteousness. Four, hypocrisy. And then five was pride. And that was something that was at the root of, of many of their problems. It's at the root of many uh, of men's problems today is pride. Um, wanting what we want, putting ourselves first, lifting ourselves up versus humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then the sixth thing was self-righteousness. Uh, that's, that's not righteousness, that is self-righteousness. That's thinking and believing and acting like you're righteous in your own self, uh, especially in contrast to other people as you, uh, that you see as unrighteous. And then the seventh thing was they were stumbling blocks. And uh, that was in their lifestyle and their attitudes and everything. They had become stumbling blocks to other people because of their pride, because of their, uh, their disregard for justice and righteousness, because of all those things, they were causing people to stumble uh, at the truth. And we're going to see a little bit more of that with the lawyers today. Uh, but these are real problems that were addressed, and they're real problems that still exist today, unfortunately, within the church. Um, But we saw that Christians should have the opposite characteristics. If you look at that list of uh, of Pharisaic problems, Christians should should stand it as polar opposites to these Pharisees' characteristics. And so this morning, we we, we move on to a section in our text and in our study that, as I said, he's going to address in addressing the lawyers. Uh, But we're moving into this Resurrection Celebration Month, and many of you already know what it's about. Some of you maybe are new, maybe you missed uh, and us talking about this, but uh, I'll say it again. Every year at Christmas time, we begin to celebrate the birth, the coming of the Savior to this earth. Uh, usually a little bit before Thanksgiving for some people, uh, but typically right after Thanksgiving, what happens? The decorations go up, the Christian music, I mean, the Christmas music comes on, and it's all about celebrating Christmas at that time. And while Jesus Christ coming to this earth what, is, is 
monumental. I mean, it's, it, it can't be put into words. It's huge. Uh, so is his resurrection, because that was the whole purpose of him coming to this earth, was to die on the cross for the sins of the world and to be risen to life to give eternal life. And so we are celebrating for an entire month the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, this should be celebrated all year long. There's no doubt about it. Uh, hopefully we are. We sing songs about the cross, sing songs about the resurrection all year long. Uh, but my prayer, and, and hopefully all of our prayer, is that this month uh, God would do something great. God would allow the gospel to go out and impact our community uh, just in a very special way. And so we're asking you to, to celebrate it with us, to, um, to tell people about the resurrection, to, uh, to be engaged in this celebration. So, um, again, we look at this, uh, this idea of the resurrection uh, and, and emphasize it. Some people say, well, what, is, what is the big deal about the resurrection? All, all I've ever heard was, was the important thing was the cross. Um, why is the resurrection so important? Uh, this is the glorious crown on the sufferings of Christ, as someone once said. The resurrection is the glorious crown on the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And so as we do this, we're emphasizing something in Christianity that sets it apart from every other religion in the world. We believe, the Bible teaches, it's fact, it's true, there's historical account, and we'll get into all that uh, at some point, that Jesus rose from the dead. Henry Drummond asked this question. He said, on what does the Christian argument for immortality re uh, re really rest? He says, it stands on the pedestal on which the theologian rests the whole of historical Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it sets us apart. It is the, the identity. It is everything to Christianity, the resurrection is. And of course, you don't have a resurrection unless you have a crucifixion. And so crucifixion is vitally important because it's what was what paid for our sins but the resurrection is what the whole of christianity rests on and so when someone's asking you you know you talk to them about the resurrection you're sharing the gospel with them and you make sure you include the resurrection because it's not a complete gospel it's not the good news unless you share that jesus rose from the dead and he's alive still today you tell them it's everything Yes, he paid for your sins, and without him paying for your sins, you'd be, you'd be lost in your sins by yourself. But he did not stay in a grave. He rose again the third day. And again, setting him, setting Christianity apart from every other religion. See, it's vital to our faith. The resurrection is absolutely vital to our faith. Because without the resurrection, without the truth of the resurrection, without the, the hope, the faith in the resurrection, then as Paul said, our faith as Christians is in vain it's in vain if the dead rise not then our faith is in vain the preaching of the word of god is in vain because if we're not if we don't believe that the dead rise that jesus christ didn't rise first and that we which are here and believe in him will rise with him one day if we don't believe that then there is nothing there's no, no other diff, there's no difference between us and any other religion that's trying to practice and preach morals but that's not what it's about. Our, our belief system is about a person. It's, 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 it's about Jesus Christ. It's about our relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. But there's no doubt about it. Without, without a doubt, many people for all of history have questioned Jesus Christ. Not only him, but the, the, the validity of an actual resurrection. Because they've never seen a resurrection. 
There's a lot of things that, that we believe that we've never seen, right? Anybody in here have any problems believing that there's a wind? There's wind outside. Everybody believes, but nobody's ever seen the wind. See, I've seen the wind. No, you've not seen the wind. You've seen what the wind can do, the effects of the wind. Whether it's carrying a dust, a dust cloud or whether it's blowing through the trees or whether it's stirring up allergies or whatever it's doing, you've, you've felt and seen the effects of the wind, but you've never seen the wind. So you believe. And so again, the same thing for us. We, we've never seen a resurrection, but we no doubt have been impacted by the resurrection. We no doubt have seen the effects of the resurrection. We no doubt believe there is a resurrection. Uh, but again, we'll get into much more of this uh, throughout this, this month and emphasizing uh, this resurrection uh, th this month. So uh, let's pray, and we're going to see two vital uh, points, very important points, uh, that Jesus, uh, we see in Jesus this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for allowing us to be here again. Thank you for the songs that we've sung. Thank you for the opportunity to give back to you, uh, even tangibly, uh, a, a portion of, of how abundantly you've blessed us. And God, we, we do pray, as Brother Jeffrey prayed earlier, in, in the offerings that were taken up, God, that we could get the gospel to more people, that we could be more effective uh, in doing that, that our, that our reach with the gospel for your cause, Lord, would be greater. Um, we want to do your work. We realize that's why we're on this earth, is to complete the mission uh, that you began 2,000 years ago when you commissioned the church. And so, Lord, we ask that uh, you would help us in all this, and we do pray that you're glorified this morning as we're gathered here in your name. Lord, you are the focus. Your will is the aim and uh, your glory is our goal. And so we pray that you would um, help us, Father, help us to focus on you, help us to set aside thoughts or other thoughts uh, that may take us away from your word. I pray that we'd be engaged and that your spirit would move and that your will is, again, accomplished in each one of our lives. And Lord, if there's someone here that's never experienced a life-changing uh, salvation, Lord, their, their life has never been radically changed uh, by you. Maybe they're religious, maybe they're moral, maybe they go to church every week, but they've never had a life change. I pray that this morning that that would change, that they would surrender their life and that you would invade their, their body, their life, and, and you would uh, change them from the inside out. They'd be born again and become a new creature in you. And Father, again, if there's someone that's lost, we ask that you would do that. Help us, God, as your, your people uh, to be ready right now to receive your word and to take it with us and apply it as needed. And we'll praise you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bibles handy, you can turn over there. If not, uh, all these should be on the screen. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, pick up where we left off, as I said. Jesus had just got done addressing the Pharisees, matter of fact, condemning them because he pronounced several different woes. And that's what it means, a very strong condemnation, a very strong reproach given to this group of religious leaders of the day. Um, and there are definitely other people around. We know that the, the multitude had gathered thick. He said that evil, evil generation seeks a sign. He addresses the Pharisees. And now we see this other group kind of standing by. Look at verse 45, what happens? Then answered one of the lawyers and said unto him, Master, thus saying, thou repro reproachest us also. So again, Jesus just pronounced all these woes for all the Pharisaic problems that we saw last week. And the lawyers are standing around. And they're thinking, oh, um, what is, maybe he's, that's us too. And they, they, one of them points it out to him. You're, you're, telling, you're condemning them, you're, you're reproaching them uh, 
reproving them for all the things that they're wrong in, 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 in the process, that's applying to us as well. Look what Jesus said. And he said, woe unto you also. <laughs> you know, uh, you would think that, you know, in, in our modern, modern culture and, and modern even Christianity, Jesus has been painted as something different. Um, he is all loving. He wouldn't have came unless he loved the world. He came to this world because he loved the world to die for the sins of the world. He is all gracious. There's no question about it because none of us deserve Jesus Christ dying in our place because we're all sinful. We all deserve to pay for our own sin. So he's all gracious, he's all merciful. Again, same thing. He paid the price that we deserve to pay ourselves. But he's also all righteous and he's all just. He's perfect in all his ways. And he cannot, he cannot have any fellowship with darkness. He cannot be associated with any, with any sin. And so he looks at these lawyers, and many people say, well, why didn't he try to, I mean, he's already called the group, the, the church that was gathering around him, I and mean, he was building a mega church at this point in time. And he turns around and he tells them, you're an evil generation. You're seeking a sign. You're, you're looking to be more entertained than you are really to seek, have a relationship with Almighty God because he's standing right before you. He says, you're evil generation, you're seeking your sign, you're about yourselves, and then turns and he begins to rebuke the Pharisees again, telling them where they're wrong, where they're, they're, they have gone off in their own religious system and their own self-righteousness. They're completely off base. And one of the lawyers says, hey, you're just tearing everybody down. I mean, you're approaching us too. And he says, hey, woe unto you also. I'm not, he wasn't done. And I'm not saying that he was doing it in an evil way or, or, or in, a, um, uh, in a wicked way at all. But he, he approaches them and looks at them and, and addresses them with complete righteousness and complete truth. And he says, Woe unto you also, you lawyers, for you laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourself touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. So the first thing we see here is that the lawyers had this righteous standard that they were imposing on other people that they weren't willing to fulfill themselves. And the reality is this, the righteous standard of God, no man can fulfill. There's not a person in this room, not a person on this earth that can come close to fulfilling the righteous standard of God. Men have tried to do it for all, uh, all of time, tried to be righteous enough for God. But it's still going on today. There's people that are still trying to do everything they can do to be righteous in God's sight. We talked about that a little bit last week, but that's like saying that you can, you can consider an unclean vessel clean just by saying it's clean. Uh, you, you, you can't do that. Um, you, you, just like an unrighteous person can't be righteous in God's sight because you are completely unrighteous. But again, these, these Pharisees, these lawyers as well, were hypocritical, both in their lives and in their positions. Why was this act of laying burdens, though, on men so reproachable to the Lord? Why, why was Jesus saying, you're condemned for this? You, this? This is condemnable. This is reproachable. The act of you laying burdens on top of men that you're not willing to touch with even one finger, why was it so bad? Why would Jesus pronounce a woe, a strong condemnation on these lawyers for this? The first thing is this. The nature of expecting a standard that they weren't willing to fulfill is reproachable. That's similar to what we've talked about re recently uh, uh, about authoritarian leadership. Do as I say, not as I do. 
not servant leadership that we see in, in Jesus Christ. And so again, this, this is reproachable because they were expecting and enforcing a standard on others they weren't willing to touch. That's reproachable. That's hypocritical. But the second thing is this. As I said a while ago, Christ was a servant leader. Jesus Christ himself came and did the opposite of what they were doing to people. Again, it's against what he came to do and what he did. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, again, the lawyers were putting burdens on people with external righteousness and, and expectations and standards that wasn't of God, that they weren't willing to fulfill. But Jesus, on the other hand, says, I want all who are heavy, all who are laden down with burdens, all that are, uh, that are, that are weighted down to come to me. polar opposites you come to me but he goes on he says and take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light my yoke is easy and burden light somebody says well yeah but it just it, the, the the lawyers are putting burdens on people um, and Jesus reproached them but he just said take my yoke upon you like a yoke of oxen is in and, and he says that his burden, his light is still a burden, so is that not relative? Here's the reality. Jesus is in the yoke. He's not asking, he's not putting it on you for you to bear yourself. He says, come unto me. My yoke, the yoke that's, that he's in is easy and his burden is light because with Jesus, we can do anything. And that's, that's the truth. Because many people can't imagine doing life with Christ uh, today. They, they, they think, well, it's just too hard to be a Christian. It's just too hard to live that life. I, I, I don't want to go that far. Um, I don't, I don't want to give my life to Christ and try to follow after him because it would be too hard to live that life, to go to church every week or to, to go to church several times a week or to... I try to live right all the time. It would just be too hard. And that's exactly where the society and the culture was in Jesus' day, that the lawyers were throwing, throwing extra standards on top of them. They were, it was impossible. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. And then the lawyers are coming along and saying, you've got to do this much more. But the opposite is the reality. Doing life without Christ at the center is a miserable task. Many people are trying to do that. Many people are trying to follow Jesus Christ uh, in their own power. Many people are, are saying, you know what, I, I don't, I don't want to follow Jesus Christ uh, that way. I don't want him to have all of me. I, I, I want to follow him like this. Again, without Jesus at the center of everything, it's a miserable life and a miserable task to try to fulfill. If you try to live life without Christ completely, an eternity of torment is the only payoff that you have ahead of you. The prophet Isaiah foretold about 700 years before Christ, approximately. Something that the nature of who Jesus is and what he would do. Again, he told the people there in, in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me. 
all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and, and, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy and it's light because he's there. But he did so much more than what many people understand. And Isaiah spelled it out again, foretold it 700 years before. His burden is not only light, but he is the burden bearer. Because he took all of it upon himself already. Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Look at verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Or in other words, the chastisement that brought our peace was put on Jesus Christ. And with his stripes, we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So as I said, Jesus Christ was at the polar opposite of the, the, the life, the characteristics, the character of the lawyers themselves. The lawyers wouldn't touch what they expected with one finger. Jesus Christ himself came to this earth and bore all of our sin, bore all of the weight, bore all of the requirements for salvation upon himself. He is the burden bearer. He is the one that came and, and bore it all. And not only that, he's still available to every single one of his children today to come to him who are weak and are, and are, and are, and are, and are laden down with burdens and are, and are heavy. Every single one of us can come to him and cast our cares upon him, cast our cares at his feet. Why? Because he cares for us, First Peter says. He cares for us. And so when we consider it's too hard to, to live the life of a Christian, no, 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 no. There's only one way to live this life, and that's the life of a Christian. The other seems freeing. Well, if I'm not a Christian, I can do whatever I want to do. That's the deceptions of the chains that you're in. That's the deception of the prison that you're in. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's within the confines of sin. And that sin is dragging you to an eternity of eternal torment. So it's not freedom. It's license right now. It's not liberty. It's license. 
And you have that right now, but it's not, again, bringing you anything but destruction. The only life of freedom, the only life of liberty is a life in Jesus Christ. And so every single person in this life has to make that choice. What they're going to do with the burden bearer. What are you going to do with the one who came and bore your sin, the burden of your sin, your iniquity on himself and paid that price? What are you going to do with him? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, an amazing thing that Jesus Christ did in bearing our burdens and bearing our sin, bearing all of our shame, taking the price upon himself of what we deserve to pay, Jesus Christ did it all. The ultimate burden bearer, and that's number one. Christ is the burden bearer. He is the only one worthy to do what he did, and he's the only one that did what he did. And the lawyers not only missed all this, but in their deception, they were robbing other people of this truth. In, in their deception, in their own system of religion, they messed it all up. See, they wouldn't do what they expected others to do, but Jesus came and did what no one else could do. And after he did what only he could do, no one else could do, he said these simple things, these simple words to everyone who would. Follow me. Follow me. I, I, I want a I leader like that. I, I want a leader who says, not just do this, but a leader that says, follow me. Well, where, where did Jesus go? Jesus laid down his life for the kingdom and the will of God. Jesus Christ gave his all for others. That's the path that Jesus Christ is asking every single one of his children to follow after him as well. Not to die and pay for their sins, but to be crucified with him, to take up their cross daily, and to live a life to accomplish the will of God. Putting others first and God's will above all. Again, Christ commands his children. The amazing thing about it is this. He gives us all the resources to help fulfill his, 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 uh, his commands. That's an amazing leader too. You know, it's frustrating when maybe you work at a job and your boss says you need to do, you need to do these things, but they're not willing to give you the training or the resources or the, the direction or anything. They just simply say, do this with no resources. And again, that's exactly what the lawyers were doing. They were putting these burdens on them without being engaged or involved at all. They were backing off, not touching at all with one finger, the Bible says, and expecting men, the, the culture, the Jewish culture of the, of the day, to follow these things. That's not what Christ has done. Christ says, follow me. He says, get in my yoke with me. He says, lo, I'll, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He says, follow me, but you're not going to be alone. You'll never be alone. I'll always be with you and never forsake you. But in following Jesus Christ, yes, it does. It means surrender. It means to sacrifice your plans. It means to sacrifice your will. It means to, to resist sin. It means to strive after his holy standard, absolutely. But again, in all these things, he doesn't leave us alone. So I, Brother Kyle, I'm, I'm really having a hard time living a life for Jesus Christ. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling to 
follow Christ. I'm struggling with wanting to live my life and do my things and live life for Him. I, I, I'm there. I think every single one of us who, who, who's a Christian understands that battle. It's very real in every single person's life because every single one of us have the flesh to battle with. Every single one of us has sin to battle with. Every single one of us lives in a world that's contrary to the system of God, the kingdom of God. So we all feel that pull. But here, here's the reality. If you're a child of God, as I said a while ago, you have all the resources to live the life that he's called you to live. And if you're not, it's a choice you're making. And you're making life a lot harder than it has to be. As a child of God, you, 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 if you've been there for a while and you've been in God's will and you've been seeking after his face, you know what that means. You know what that feels like. You, you feel like you've got the, the, the power, the, the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm. It's not always like that, but you, you, you have that when you're in God's will, where your heart's right, your mind's right. You can't do enough for the Lord. You can't seek his face enough. All those things are there. No matter what comes, you feel like God's going to carry you through. And then maybe you've been in this place before where you get a little selfish with your time. You live self-centered with your plans. You, you get more focused on stuff. And when problems come and difficulties arise, it's that much harder. It's that much more difficult. You're trying to bear and, and carry all the, the things in this life by yourself instead of Remaining in that yoke with the Lord, following after him, being who he's called you to be with his power. I mean, there's no comparison in this life. Living for Christ, living with Christ, living without him, living for yourself. But again, the, the lawyers of the day, much like the world today, religion today, man today, puts burdens on men that are unnecessary. Burdens like good works. You can talk to a lot of people today and say, hey, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And many people say, oh, I think I'll go to heaven. And you ask them why. Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I do good things. I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. Uh, I, I, just this last week, I had a conversation with a couple people like that. And I, 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 I'd like to think myself a pretty good person compared to so-and-so or compared to these people. Good works, being good enough, being religious, again, being your own person are all things that the world preaches to make sure that you're happy and make sure that you have fulfillment and even for eternal life. Yet it can't deliver and won't deliver. Only Jesus Christ can. Only Jesus Christ can deliver. Let's look on to verse 47. It says, Woe unto you, for you build sepulchers of the prophets and, uh, and your fathers killed them. Truly you bear witness that you allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them and build their sepulchers. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the world may, re, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation." Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. Point number two this morning is truth 
is the key of knowledge. See, there's a lot of knowledge in the world today, but it's not true knowledge. And there's a lot of things that people claim as truth, but there's only one truth. Jesus Christ, and again, people today argue that truth is, is relative. It's relative to you. You may think something is okay. You may think something is wrong, but that's, that's for you. There's not an absolute. There's not a, 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 an absolute truth, and there's not moral absolutes, uh, which is absolute lies of the devil. Amen. There is absolute truth, and there are moral absolutes. And matter of fact, moral absolute came in the form of a person from heaven, and he lived it out on this earth. There is moral absolute, and there is an absolute truth. But again, the, the lawyers in this generation, they had rejected Jesus Christ, but before that, they had rejected the messengers of God, the voice of God, the truth of God. They had slayed them. He said that your fathers slayed the prophets. And not only that, I, I, the wisdom of God said, I'm going to send them apostles, and, and they're going to slay them too, and the blood of all of them are going to be required in this generation. But where'd they go wrong? Where, if there's an absolute truth, God had preserved it through the prophets, he had preserved it through the writers of Scripture, if there's an absolute truth, and that's the key of knowledge, then where in the world do the lawyers, who are supposed to be so studied in, in, in the, the law of God, where did the Pharisees, who were supposed to know it backwards and forwards, where did they so go wrong? I believe it's where many people go wrong even today. They had made all of it about themselves and their desires. And that's where you get into arguments and debates with people today about truth and, and moral absolutes. It's because it doesn't, if the truth doesn't line up with what somebody desires or it doesn't line up with their own life and their own plan, then it's not truth. And I want to say this, just as they did then, they had so disregarded the truth that they had slayed the prophets and slayed the apostles even uh, th that would come. It is so far gone today that if it's not as bad, I mean, if it's not worse, it's, it's as bad as it was. They say, yeah, but they're not like killing prophets and, 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 and apostles. So, yes, they are. Again, just because we don't see it, we don't experience it in our culture doesn't mean it's not happening. I mean, it's happening in countries around the world. Pastors being in prison, pastors being beaten, their families being in prison, being beaten. It's happening all over this world. And it's, ha and it's ha happened since the time of Christ. But God himself, the truth was embodied in Jesus Christ, came to this world and what would they do? They would desire his life as well. And we'll see that in the study. They would want to sacrifice and crucify the truth himself. Their disregard for truth, their deception, they took away this key of knowledge to eternal life. They stole it from the culture of the day. The, the key to the kingdom of God. And someone, someone once said this, they cast a mist before the eyes of the people by their corrupted gloss, or the corrupt glosses upon them. And this is called taking away the key of knowledge. Instead of using that key for the people and helping them to use it aright, they hid it from them. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, they shut up the kingdom of heaven against themselves. 
The tragedy was is there was so much knowledge. These lawyers and Pharisees were so learned and so studied. They had so much information, yet they were so void of the real truth. And as I said, today, many religions, even tragically, I would say, even people that attend Christian churches, and I would go further to say, people that even lead Christian churches are guilty of the same. There are doctrines of men that are taught as truth. There are doctrines of devils that are taught as truth. And many people today, even in American culture, where there's technology and knowledge is abounding in so many places, so many people are deceived from the truth. Matter of fact, so many people claim to be Christian today, but their lives look nothing like the Christianity that's not only defined, but exhibited by in Scripture. And I'm not trying to claim to be perfect or that my life looks like the Christians in the Bible, but the reality is, in this culture today, in 2017, the biblical Christianity, the picture that we see uh, of men like Paul and Timothy and, and, and so many others living their lives for Jesus Christ, it, it just does not look like that today. An examination of their lives today of these people in our culture would yield the verdict that sports, that self, social life, activities, stuff is their God, little g, and not Jesus Christ. And many of them attend churches like ours. Because as we saw last week, it's a tragic, it is a reality. There are fathers, there are mothers that are raising their kids in such a way that if something comes up that is more important than a church service in their mind, then it's not a big deal to miss. What if Almighty God had something for you in that service, for your kid in that service? Beyond that, what if Almighty God had something for you to give, to do for somebody else in that service? And as I said last week, and fathers and, and, and mothers that are raising their kids like that, what they're teaching the next generation is there are things in this life more important than Almighty God. There are people, there are things, there's stuff more important than the God who would love you and come to this earth and pay the price for the sin that you could never pay for yourself. And the next generation is, is just following behind. And it's not, as I said last week, not popular to preach that, but it's a reality. And if at some point in time we as the people of God, if we're truly the people of God, don't realize, man, we've gone off. We're, we, we, we've we, we've, we've kind of done what the lawyers have done. The truth is the truth. It doesn't change. But we've made it relative, even as the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, we've made it relative and applied it only where we want it applied and disregarded it where we don't want it applied. And then we walk about our lives and say, I'm still going to heaven. It's going to be okay. 
And I just wonder how the burden bearer, how it hurts his heart. I know it's hindering his cause. But again, it was a tragic reality then. And it's a tragic reality today. And what's more concerning maybe than all of this is there's a callousness and a complacency about all of it. Like we realize that's where we're at. We're not going to do anything to change. And that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for a pastor. It's heartbreaking for any Christian who, who's striving to live after the Lord with everything they have. Who's trying to be that light and let that light shine like the choir sang about this morning. Who's trying to share the gospel. Who's in the kingdom of God and realizes they're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And every day is a, is a day of mission that we have for him. It's, it, it gets disheartening when many, 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 many Christians can disregard truth. Because it just doesn't fit what they want. Again, the lawyers were reproached for this. The lawyers, there was a woe cast. Well, they were the, the most religious, the most studied people of the day. And, and, and you can make an argument for independent Baptist churches and, and, and other fundamental teaching churches that, that hold to the Scripture that we, are, we, we would be the same place. Well, if anybody should know, I mean, you're preaching the Scriptures verse by verse. You're going through the Word of God, the whole counsel of God's Word, and, 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 and it should be us that have the knowledge and the truth and that, that are living it out. The, the more that we have, the more that we should live. But again, it's tragic in that that's not necessarily the case. More people want to follow what pleases them and take up their cross daily and follow Christ. And I realize this doesn't make me popular. I realize it doesn't make it cool and, and, and all those things, but I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. And as I look at the landscape of Christianity in America today, and I look at the, the landscape of Christianity even in our culture and even in our church, there's no way that I could say, well, we're giving it our best shot. I don't know that we are. And I want to ask you that question this morning. Are you giving it your best? Are you giving him your best? Or is, has your life been redefined by having Christ in a compartment and living your life for yourself? And when something tragic comes along, when a disease enters in, a job is, is on the rocks, health is on the line you reach for that that compartment and ask him to help jesus at the center of it all he wants to be at the center of everything he deserves no less but we were warned in scripture that these days would come and i'm going to hurry and we'll finish second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 for this know also the last days dangerous perilous times shall come Men shall be lovers. They shall be. He said, it's going to happen. This is the way that the culture is going to be in the end times. They're going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to love themselves. They're going to love their lives. They're going to love their stuff. They're going to be more infatuated with their own stuff than the Lord. They're going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pr pleasure, Rather, the word is more, is rather, rather 
than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And that's what makes me extremely heartbroken. Because I think that you, again, look across the, 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 the church in America and there is a form of godliness but the power of God is missing in so many people's lives and so many churches. It's tragic. It says, for this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of what? Of truth. This generation, especially in America, is seeing two different Christianities as the musicians come. The lost world, those that are in darkness, those, are, those that are blind, they're seeing two different, and I, and I put it in quotes because it needs to be there, two different Christianities. The biblical one of surrender and faith and sacrifice, of trusting God no matter what it costs, of obedience regardless of consequence and regardless of popularity. Christianity of proclamation of truth and exaltation of Christ, of even persecution if it calls for, and even further, martyrdom if that's the cost. That kind of Christianity exists in the world today. But in the world, the lost also see a Christianity. The modern, materialistic, self-centered, me, my life, my stuff first, one of selfishness, of obedience only when it doesn't conflict with personal preference of disregard for the whole truth in light of an exaltation of self and stuff and activities, of comfort, of even excess. This world is seeing that. And they're saying, you know, I don't know that I just want to, I want to give up sleeping in on Sundays. I don't, I don't know that, that I, I want to give up living my life for me because so many people I know that call themselves Christians they do what they want to do. They just go to church every now and then. I mean, unless something doesn't get in the way, they'll, they'll go to church. Oh, they, they'll, I mean, but I never hear them talk about Jesus. Never, I mean, I never get invited to church. I, I, I mean, basically, they kind of have to give up some things that I like doing. Um, and so I don't want to do that. And some people, though, run into other Christians who have surrendered all, have sacrificed, and they face storms and the difficulties of this life, and they're leaning on the Lord, and the church is there with them and, 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 and helping them along the way, and they're able to say, you know what, praise God still. I'll praise Him in the storm because they have a real connection and a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's be clear, there's only one Christianity out of those two. I don't believe the other one is based on faith. I believe the other one's based on convenience. The lawyers and the Pharisees were wrong. They were robbing so many people of the key of knowledge, the unlocked eternity. And again, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the key of knowledge? We have the truth. We have the whole truth. From back, back to the, in the front to the back, we have the truth of God's word. We have truth, period. And what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? So I'm not doing anything with it. 
that can be just as damaging as doings wrongfully with it as others are doing. So two questions as we pray. Christ has bore all for us. What are we bearing for him? Are you taking up your cross daily and following him? Is it, is it an everyday thing? No matter what it costs, you're taking the cross and following Christ. Number one. Number two, truth is the key to knowledge. And what are we doing with it? Are you sharing that key? It's the, it's the thing that opens, unlocks eternal life for those in darkness. What are you doing with that key? I pray that we're burdened. I pray that we're convicted. I pray that we're challenged. I pray that you're encouraged. I pray whatever was needed in this, in this service today that God accomplished in every single one of our lives. I know I was challenged and convicted. I was getting ready for it and even preaching it now. The reality is, is, is we try to give tips to the Lord. And he deserves all. Not just the tip of our time. Not just a little bit of our life. He's to be the Lord and Master, the Savior the, over all. Every minute, every second, every day, every week, every month, every year of our life. He is to be all. And so I challenge you this morning. If you find yourself like me and say, Lord, I can give you more. You deserve all. And I want to encourage you to come this morning. Maybe just pray, Lord, I, I've been holding back. I, I've ha I, have the key of, I have the key of knowledge. I have the truth, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. My life is more about me than thinking about others who may be lost. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm not really sacrificing anything for the Lord. I try to build my life and make it convenient and comfort for me, comfortable for me. I don't even think about His will. Maybe you come this morning and say, Lord, I want to be focused on You. I'll bear whatever it takes. You bore all of my sin. You took all of my pain. You paid the, you paid the price for me. And so I want to bear whatever it is that You want me to bear. And it'll be easy in life. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this time. Lord, I thank you for the challenge. I thank you for your word. You confronted the lawyer so many years ago. Lord, I feel like that we were confronted this morning and faced with these things, Lord. Lord you, you bore our burdens. And Lord, for us to be in, in the yoke with you and, and to bear the burden that you've given to us, it's light. And it, it's what you've called us to do as your people, to follow you. And I pray that we would do that, Lord. But also, I pray that we wouldn't hold up the key of knowledge in our selfishness, God, that we wouldn't make religion something uh, or our relationship with you something that's not a religion. God, that we would be a passionate, on-fire body for you. And God, at the end, you'd be glorified. Lord, I pray you just move now, move our hearts. I pray again, if there's someone that's lost, they heard this morning what you did for them. You died in their place. You rose again. And you, you alone offer eternal life. I pray if someone's never given you their life, never trusted in that, never surrendered to you in that, I pray they'd come this morning and they make that decision realizing it's their only way to have eternal life. I pray you just move and we'll praise you for that as well. I ask all this in Jesus' name.